Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. And welcome back to another Nerd Quarantine Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I am the latest resident of the Firefly Funhouse. Yes. Derek Diamond. Dude, that was so awesome. So, uh, for those who may not know what we're, we're talking about, WrestleMania was this past weekend. People are very and they divided actually, on it, though. Like, that's what, like... Oh, the purists don't like it, and I'm, I want to tell all of them to get over it. <laughs> Well, here, here's so here's here's my reason why they filmed WrestleMania a week in advance because of the stay-at-home order because their performance center is in in Orlando, mm-hmm. so they had to get as much filmed as possible. And I was thinking, you know, this would be a cool opportunity for them to do creative stuff because they can do editing and all that type of stuff and make things look good. Mm-hmm. And there were two matches that they actually went all out on the first. So WrestleMania was split over two nights on a Saturday and Sunday, Saturday. The main event was AJ styles and the undertaker and what was called a boneyard match. Yeah, <laughs> I was super impressed with the production value of this thing. Oh my, you it, I, it had a, like it had a very like, um, uh, like short film, feel about it mm-hmm. and that's why yeah. i loved it so much it was like it was something that we could do you know but at the same time right. it's like they made the undertaker look like such a badass like i mean we we, we were talking on twitter the other day because me and joey were talking about it and we were like man we should do an undertaker um boneyard series uh featuring or starring the undertaker and i'm just like i would like take all my money Oh, I'd watch that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd want to be involved with it, too. Oh, yeah. But, but the cool thing is, so I was reading up about it. They actually filmed that in Orlando, and they used all local production people to oh, do it. Oh, that's cool. Which I thought was great, and they filmed it over one night. Uh, it was like an all-night shoot from like 9 o'clock at night to 5 in the morning. But it, it turned out really, really good, and the fact that so the Undertaker, most people know him as like the the dark, supernatural demon character, but he went through a period in the Attitude Era where he was more like a biker character, and his nickname was the American Badass because he originally used American Badass by Kid Rock as his entrance music. Well, and he would come out to the ring on a motorcycle, and he'd wear like you know, either like denim or you know leather trench coat, bandana, and all that stuff. And people have been wanting that character to come back for the last couple of years. And the way that feud was built, AJ Styles was attacking like Undertaker, the human being, and not Undertaker, the character. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Undertaker has a Twitter, he has Instagram, and he posts on it. So it's like, we don't know he's, or like, we all know he's not really this undead person. Yeah. And, and he showed up to the cemetery on a motorcycle, <laughs> and I was geeking out like crazy the entire time but they they made him look fantastic and honestly 
if he decided to retire on that note, I don't yeah. think it would be a terrible decision. I honestly think you could – I don't think you could go out on more of a high note, especially just the way he just got on the motorcycle. You know, he <laughs> pumped his fist in the air, the <laughs> flames came up, and then he just drove off into the night. And I'm just like, dude, that is you, – you go out undefeated at WrestleMania – and you like the last image of you is leaving the cemetery on a motorcycle and like that's perfect the the unfortunate thing is he did lose at wrestlemania a few years ago oh he did to, uh, to, to brock lesnar it was back at wrestlemania 30 it was like uh, okay. five or six years ago i thought he was still undefeated because I, I just wish got he back into wrestling like the last year or so i wish he was because that was a selling point of that whole show but honestly, let let me ask you this because like you're you're more a fan of like the old school type mm -hmm. of stuff. But I'm sure you remember when the Undertaker first came in, mm -hmm. and obviously like the legacy he's had. They have their Hall of Fame every year, and they normally induct between like five to eight people. Do you think that they could get away with doing a Hall of Fame ceremony? Like it would be slightly shorter than normal, but have Undertaker be the only one who's inducted. I, like, I built the ceremony around him. I'll be honest. I think he deserves it. I mean, he's had the longest career pretty much of any wrestler I've ever heard of. I mean, do you know, other than, like, Ric Flair, do you know anybody that's had as long of a career as he's had? Well, he wrestled in other territories before WWE, but he this November will be the 30-year anniversary of him being The Undertaker. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's, that's a hell 30, of a run. Thirty solid years of one character, man. Like that's yeah. Honestly, I think he's probably the most uh, the most successful character. Yeah. Ever, because you think of just the ridiculousness of what that character is supposed yeah. to be, but Undertaker, the person, made that iconic. Yeah. It wouldn't have been as cool of a character if it wasn't him. Like yeah. he he embodied that character, he made that character, and he made it something more than what it was. Because when you really think about it, it's pretty dumb. I mean, that's a total '80s uh, era wrestling kind of thing. Like, but he just made it work for 30 years. I mean, that's not, you know, it's un it's supernatural. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But speaking of supernatural, so I. I as someone who does production for a living, I really enjoyed the Undertaker AJ Styles match for that aspect. But I had more fun watching the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah. With Bray Wyatt and John Cena. Like it, it wasn't even a match. I don't think you can really call it that, but the way it was done, the storytelling was so freaking good. And so, like, unconventional as to what the WWE does. And essentially what it is, is that John Cena starts out in the main portion of the funhouse and goes in the, the back door, and he essentially goes through a retrospective of his entire career. Yeah. And, and it's... Like I the... Can't, I can't even describe it. Like, <laughs> it's... It, uh, the best way I can describe it is it would be like if you watched Nightmare on Elm Street on LSD. Yeah. And they they threw in all kind of stuff from like uh, the WCW era. Um, yeah, like the, the NWO skit, yeah. Yeah, the NWO skit. Like they did an 80s era skit that cracked Dude, me up. 
that had me like almost on the floor. <laughs> I if really I could, I would do an impression of that. But God, I've watched yeah. that specific portion. When the rubber hits the road, the cream rises to the top. To the top. <laughs> Nerd Cave Retro, you pay for the whole seat and use only the edge. <laughs> but I, after I watched it, I was just like, man, that was like one of the most creative things I've seen them do in a long, long time. And I was highly impressed. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but from what I've read, do you want to know who came up with that whole idea? Mm-hmm. Who? Bray Wyatt and John Cena. They both did? They planned that whole thing. Well, yeah, because you look at uh, John Cena's um, Instagram, and it's... It's the like, fiend. The entire thing has been changed. Well, and he posted a teaser on um, on Twitter. I'll, I'll find it real quick, but... Um, it he must... teased that, that that might be it for him. Really? But if if you think about it, it's kind of a cool way for him to go out. Yeah. Because like it it essentially was like the fiend killed John Cena because he exposed all the flaws of him being, you know, vain and full of ego. Yeah. And he avenged, you know, because it, it really was like when those two fought years ago and Cena won, that was like a downward spiral for Bray Wyatt's career because he he was actually like he was a villain, but people liked him because his character was really cool. Yeah. Then he was gone for several months, and then they showed the first Funhouse vignette, and I was like, what in the hell are they doing (laughs) with this guy? But then they unveiled his alter ego, and I was like, oh, wow. That's... (laughs) That's cool. And then when he did his entrance for the first time, it was just surreal. Like the match didn't start because he fought Finn Balor at SummerSlam last year and he did his full entrance, which was almost Undertaker like, where like the entrance is almost like a crucial aspect of the character. Yeah. But when it was over, the match didn't start for another 30 seconds to a minute because the crowd was chanting, This is awesome. He's definitely um, one of my more more favorite characters of this new era. Like I, like I said, I just really got back into wrestling uh, this last year, <clears throat> and um, he's definitely been one of the characters that I enjoy the most. Like I like characters. I don't like mm-hmm. just wrestlers that are just kind of like they are who they are. Like they don't have like a character, you know? Yeah. Like I dig the character aspect of that. So Cena tweeted this at 7.28 a.m. today. All things end. When it's time to leave, leave them guessing. Yeah. I wonder, they had to have worked with uh, Instagram in order to get his entire Instagram feed to change like that. I'm thinking, and I don't know for sure, but I wonder if they filmed that in the WWE's, like, warehouse. Because they used the old Saturday Night's Main Event backdrop. They yeah. used the old blue cage. They used the SmackDown fist um, set piece from the early 2000s. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't shock me if they just built like a set in that warehouse just so they could. I mean, unless they transported all that down to Florida. I imagine I have that, no idea. that they have to have some sort of just big ass warehouse that, that just all that stuff is just set up and they just go in there and they yeah. just filmed it. Yeah, because we actually have something like that here on the coast over in Gulfport. It's a it's a movie prop warehouse, 
And uh, I actually got to film a movie in there uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And in there is just all these sets set up, like Western sets. Like I came across a set that was used in uh, Django with a bunch of stuffed dead horses. There's like uh, bars set up in there for like beer commercials and stuff like that. It's like they had a big uh, steam train in there. And I was like, this is the coolest place I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> That sounds like a place I could get lost in. Oh, yeah, you could. Because it's like a maze in there of just movie sets. <laughs> uh, that's great. Man, but uh, I like, wonder how many people we're losing now by talking about wrestling for 15 minutes. <laughs> I bet Brandon Rutledge is still listening. Oh, he's loving it. Oh, absolutely. No, but all in all, like WrestleMania, like the show itself, like it wasn't the best WrestleMania ever, but... It's weird I, without I, people. It was just weird. Yeah. It, it, I still haven't gotten used to it. Yeah, but I will say, like I from from an ethics standpoint, I don't agree with them continuing to do shows. But on one hand, I give them credit for giving everyone some type of an outlet because yeah. I don't know what I would have done this weekend had WrestleMania not come on. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why they're still doing it. I mean, they just people are just needing stuff to do right now, and I mean, there's no sports. The sports yeah, Sports World has shut down. So, yeah, I mean, um, and Dana, um, what's his name from uh, uh, UFC, the, Dana White. Yeah, Dana White is, like, didn't he just purchase an island or something like that where he's going to, like, start doing the matches from this island or he rented an island or something like that and they're going to start doing weekly MMA matches from there. Dana Shao Kahn White. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Mortal Kombat. <laughs> uh, well, so, something else did happen that was quite eventful for you. Over oh, the yeah. Here, I, guys. I did it. <laughs> I defeated Ninja Gaiden after 30 freaking years, man. It took three three hours and two busted thumbs to actually get it done. But you persisted, though, <clears throat> which, I, I, which was good. I couldn't have done it without you guys, though. Like, you and uh, who all else was there? Like, um, da Daniel Salmon was there. Uh, Axblade07 was there. Um, I Am The Rampage was yeah, there. I Am The Rampage was there. Uh, Carlos, was that's, that's him. Yeah. Um, Nate was there. Nate was there. Like it was a bunch of people just egging me on, man. The whole because I was ready to quit a few times. I was like, man, you're like I can't go anymore. <laughs> my thumbs are killing me. <laughs> but and, and the thing is, is I that that boss fight, that final boss fight, man. It's three phases. I got through the first phase, died in the second phase, and when you die in the boss fight, it sends you all the way back to the beginning of that level, and you have to go through all that crap again. So I did it again, got through the second phase, died on the third phase. And I was like, guys, I'm done. I can't do anymore. And I think it was Nate who was just like, dude, if you go back, you're on the last phase of the fight. You just get through that and you're done. And I'm like, ah. so I went through that whole thing again. I got finally got through that last phase. And I was like, like you can just see the look in my face. Uh, you, you, I, I uploaded the entire video to YouTube. It's like three hours long. Yeah, uh, you can watch the clip of it on my um, my uh, Twitch channel. It's like a forty five second clip, and then I think Carlos uh, Longoria he he made a couple of gifs 
of me, my yeah. reaction, because it was just like, I could not believe it, man. Yeah, the gifts are great. So what was it like watching it? Because everybody else, I think it was like, uh, everybody was just like, man, I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> they paid for the whole seat and used only the edge. Yeah. So I don't know if you you caught on to this, but I was watching Undercover. Yeah, yeah, because you because you finally popped in, and I was like, "Oh, Derek's here," but you had been there the whole time. Well, so I couldn't get into my original account because it was from an email that was deactivated through my old uh, freelance website. Yeah. So I cre I created a a second profile. I was Nintendo kid. Oh, four. Yeah. <laughs> when you shouted me out a while. <laughs> well, because, um, you, you, uh, shouted me out and I put in the chat, I was like, Jason has no idea. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody was busting out laughing about the whole thing. But then I was like, you know what? I really want my original account back. So I ended up paying the yearly fee to get my old website back. So I could get into the email and then transfer everything over to the one I use now. So then I was like, okay, I'll chime in by myself. And then you're like, Oh, Derek's here. And I was like, he has no idea. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The, I am the rampage is in the, uh, the chat room. So is Dylan Moran, who is actually, uh, he's one of the newest guitar players in, in falls from grace. He's, uh, our guitar player, uh, Donnie, his son, who he's, uh, 17 oh, years cool. old now. He's, uh, he's in the chat room. And, Very uh, cool. Yeah, I'm Welcome. Rampage is here. He was there. Like I said, he was there. I think he was the one that was saying he was on the edge of the seat because I was just, man, I, that was a hard-fought victory to get through that game. <laughs> well, I, I will say this. So I predicted the end of Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. I, pr I predicted that Servi would make it to 50 <laughs> festivals, and I predicted that you would beat Ninja Gaiden this weekend. Yeah, you're, dude, you're batting a thousand, man. <clears throat> so what's going to happen next? <laughs> um, uh, for the short term, we'll continue to do this podcast on Wednesday nights. Yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> well, so, so get, get this. So normally, like if this virus thing wasn't going on, I probably wouldn't be on the show this week because... Mm -hmm. Tomorrow would be opening day oh, for the yeah. Blue Wahoos. So well, I would probably be still at work right now. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been doing your daily diamond. How's that going? Good. Um, so funny enough, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be doing it Thursday and Friday just because I'm still, I've still got a lot of video editing to do. Oh, and you know work, what sucks? So. I haven't gotten to watch it because I've been at work. I, I, I mm -hmm. l luckily still have a job that I have to work. And I'm off Friday, and you're not doing the show, so I can't watch. I'm like, son of a bitch. Well, <laughs> maybe I'll do like Friday at noon or something like that. I'll have to, I'll have to look and see. I, I know for I, for sure tomorrow I can't do it, or today if people are listening to the audio version the day it comes out. But I, I might try and squeeze it in on Friday. But I know for sure Saturday and Sunday I'm gonna do episodes. But I'm going to do top 10 lists instead of top five. That's but the top cool. five lists have been great. I've been getting really good feedback on it. And honestly, it's been doing better than the Derek Diamond experience. That's cool, man. Maybe Which is nuts. Maybe you should find a way to monetize it and you, you can do that. I, I will say I had a lot of fun on my show this week. I don't know if you've seen um, Onward. But no, not yet. It's... It's a really good movie. I reviewed that and actually had some uh, really good interaction in the chat room on uh, on Tuesday. So I'm going to be um, well, I'll talk a little bit about CyberCon at the end of the show, but 
next for this upcoming Tuesday for my show, I'm going to have my friend Thomas Rochester on, who's actually working with CyberCon, and we're going to review the latest Jumanji movie. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I actually liked it. <laughs> no, I loved it. I love those movies, but I, I love pretty much anything that The Rock's in. Rampage said normally he wouldn't be able to watch the Daily Diamond because he's at work, but it's been very slow, so he has a little time. That's cool. Yeah, I've been appreciating the support from him. He's yeah, been man. watching um, you know, pretty much every episode. He was in the chat for Onward last night, and um, he's you know even come up with some suggestions for my morning show. So, But it, it, it's been a good way to start the day. Oh, yeah, I bet so. I wish I could do it with you, man. That'd be fun, do a daily show. Yeah. Um, who, also, who knows? It might eventually get to that point. Uh, <laughs> this weekend, I plan on doing some streaming again. I'm not going to do another three-hour monster, but I'm going to do. I want to play for about an hour, but I'm going to do uh, same time, 4 p.m. Central on Saturday. I'm going to be doing uh, streaming some Ducktales because uh, nice. Nate got me wanting to play that today because he did that for Wednesday on uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. What I might do, because this was a suggestion, I believe Carlos suggested this, and I think it's top 10 worthy, but Saturday, I might do the Daily Diamond at um, at 3 as a nice little lead-in, do top 10 video game franchises. Ah, that's good. That's a good topic. I always love those kind of topics. Because it would be tough to do just 5. Like, even doing Star Wars characters, it was tough to do yeah. 5. I, I gave you mine, but I was like, man. Yeah, I, I read them. <laughs> I was like, I don't, there's too many. There were a couple of people who started knocking the sequel trilogy, and I'm like, guys, this is a whole separate discussion. <laughs> uh, but on if that you note, want that, you can, you can go back and listen to the yeah. four-part series that we did on my show about Star Wars. Uh, but on that note, let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Yes. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> This is awesome. I sent this to Derek today as soon as it popped up on Twitter. From NintendoLife.com, this Nintendo Switch dock looks just like a mini GameCube. Comes with four controller ports. Uh, you've seen an awful lot of third-party Nintendo Switch docks come and go over the years, but this one might just win you over if you're a Super Smash Brothers fan. The Power Bay from Taiwan-based accessory maker Brookworks, uh, Brook works just like the official Nintendo Switch dock. But as you can see from the images on the page, it looks like a flattened GameCube. There's a reason for that too, as one of its main purposes is to provide players with a quick and easy GameCube controller support. Uh, you can hook up two GameCube controllers and two other controllers of your choice via USB. Um, it also outputs to your TV via HDMI and can charge your console as you play. It's scheduled to be released this June and re will retail for $54.99 if you're interested. Uh, so keep an eye on it through Brooks' website. So for those who are watching the video version, I'm going to mimic the Stephen Colbert gif as far as my response to this. Give it to me now. Yeah. <laughs> this thing looks so cool. Oh, I want this like yesterday. Yeah. This would be the absolute perfect way to play Smash Brothers. Yeah, because, I mean, it's and I may get this just because I, I love using the GameCube controller mm -hmm. and you just put your switch in here and then boom, you got a controller port for your uh, GameCube controllers. Boom. And, and honestly for 55 bucks, 
It's not bad. That ain't too bad. I was expecting in like 75, 80 bucks. No, it's like yeah. $55. That's not, that's cheaper than a uh, brand new game. I would love to be able to play like Breath of the Wild oh, with a dude. GameCube controller. Oh, man. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Like, I, I fight this a couple of times a week, but I really want to start a new game on Breath of the Wild. But I'm me like, <laughs> I, I don't I don't need to get pulled back in. No, me neither. Because I, I will I will do nothing else yeah. but play that game. I've thought about making a new account on my Switch and just starting a brand new game. But I'm like, no, because if you do that, you will not see sunlight. <laughs> now, I've actually thought about... Um, playing link to the past again i've been kind of getting the edge to do that you should, I mean it's on the it's on the snes classic you should start streaming that should be your first game that you stream maybe i just had an idea hmm. if we wanted to do this for the foreseeable future what if you streamed on saturday and i streamed on sunday that would work at least for the time being until everything gets back to normal yeah i mean it's not like I'm doing anything else. Yeah, we could do that. I mean, the setups, because you use OBS still mm -hmm. for that, right? Yeah, it's, it's okay. pretty easy to set up on OBS. Okay. Yeah, I might um, I might try that. Because I know i, I got to figure out how to stream with multiple people on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I want to start streaming this show on my end through Facebook Live, yeah, just like I do with the Daily Diamond or with the Derek Diamond experience. we got to figure out why your OBS is acting up, so we're going to figure that out this weekend. Yeah, because I even uninstalled it and reinstalled it, and it still didn't change anything. And I have the most up-to-date version. Hmm. So I, what we might have to do is like walk through both of our settings to see, because I've got to have something different than yeah. you do. You have to, because I mean, you're running Mac too, so it should be the exact same as mine. Yeah. But uh, moving on from the tech talk, this comes from NintendoLife.com. Ubisoft is hosting a major Switch eShop Easter sale and great savings on top games. And I love their little pun headline, hop on over and hmm. grab a bargain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Easter might be as good as canceled this year, but that won't stop Ubisoft from celebrating it anyway with some excellent sales. God, these puns kill me. On the Switch eShop, it's eggtastic sale taking place in North America and Europe, <laughs> reduced to certain games by up to 82%. Damn. The sale runs until April 21st in North America and April 29th in Europe. It includes savings on great titles and series such as Mario plus Rabbids, Assassin's Creed, and Rayman. Uh, let's see. They have Assassin's Creed, the Rebel Collection, for $24. They have Rayman Legends for $10. Mario plus Rabbids is $15. If you're looking to get that. They got um, South Park, the Fractured But Whole, Gold Edition, $22.50. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember the Nintendo 64 game when you would shoot the cow out of the bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> And the Stick of Truth game. is also South Park. Is I, I should review that at some point. I may actually get uh, Trials Rising Gold Edition. They have that on here for it's going to be eleven ninety nine. And I've been wanting to get Trials. I loved the Trials game on Xbox three sixty, and um, mm -hmm. I'd love to get it for the Switch. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to get any of these. I mean, uh, well, they have. Let's see, what is Donkey Kong Adventure? 
Mm-hmm. It's only seven fifty. Not sure. I mean, seven fifty is not all that much anyway. So, mm-hmm. might uh, might look into that. But no, I mean, these all sound like really good deals. I mean, it's up to you know eighty percent off. Yeah, it's not bad. So go to n- NintendoLife.com and check out the article, and you'll see the full list and. Definitely take advantage of it if you're looking to get some of these games. Uh, also, this comes from the register.co.uk. Still waiting for your Atari retro gaming console? You're not alone. Its architect has just sued the biz for non-payment. Xbox co-creator Rob Wyatt would like his $260,000 invoice paid. Uh, the architect of retro games console has sued Atari for allegedly failing to pay his invoices amounting to $261,720. Rob Wyatt's company, 10 Giant, was hired in July 2018 to design the Atari VCS console, but quit the contract uh, in October 2019, telling the register he had resigned because Atari haven't paid invoices going back over six months. Um, Their uh, invoices are included as part of his lawsuit and show... uh, Wyatt and software engineer Adam Litton were hired at a rate of $140 an hour to design the console from the ground up, based in large part on the fact that Wyatt was the chief architect of Microsoft's original Xbox console. Um, so this kind of, we, we talked about this when it first happened, when he quit. I knew this was coming eventually that he was going to sue them. So I do not think that this thing's coming out. I just don't think it's going to happen. This thing has smelled like a rat from the very beginning. Oh, it's it's a giant flaming turd is what this thing yeah. is. And I yeah, feel bad. Like my... I feel bad for the guy. I mean... I do too. The, the biz raised, like, what, $2.5 million for this thing, and they have nothing to show for it. And he hasn't been paid, you know, a quarter million dollars for, for designing it. And it's nowhere, like, we haven't even heard any news about it. last news we heard about it was it was being delayed due to the coronavirus. And that was back in, what, January? Yeah. Oh, this thing that stinks. That was before it was even a thing here, yeah. Yep, it's like my grandpa used to say, I smell a rat here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope the guy gets, you know, he gets the money that he deserves. And, and this honestly, th- this whole thing just needs to be put to bed. 20 bucks. It's not going to happen. I got 20 bucks says that uh, they file bankruptcy and within the next month or so and we'll, we're ne- we're, nobody's going to see the console. Everybody's out all that money and this dude's never going to see his money. That's so, that's uh, uh, such BS. Yep. But no, you're, you're probably right. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Stuff like that just makes me angry. Yeah. But to close out our news portion of the show, this comes to us from gamesindustry.biz. Nintendo says more systems are on the way as the Switch sells out wor- worldwide. Major retailer says that some customers are picking up PS4 or Xbox One instead. Uh, Nintendo insists that more stock is on the way as Switch console supply dries up globally. The firm issued a note to Japanese customers yesterday stating that only those who had reserved a Switch console, including the new Animal Cross Special Edition, would be receiving their units this week. Standard shipping to retailers was not going ahead, and there was no information on whether there would be any the following week either. The firm's official position is that stock shipments have been delayed. 
It's a situation that's reflected globally with the standard Switch console almost entirely sold out across Europe and the U.S. Sales of Switch games and consoles have plummeted over the past two weeks, according to latest figures from GFK and GSD. There is still some availability of Nintendo Switch Lite. And I believe it was last week that we talked about this too, is that people have been buying the Switch due to having to stay home oh, due yeah. to COVID-19. <clears throat> Because I, I mentioned this, you know, I had two coworkers that mm-hmm. one found a switch on Facebook Marketplace, yeah, and actually got a pretty sweet deal out of it. I think uh, somebody uh, shared something on Facebook the other, or either earlier today or yesterday. Uh, I think Best Buy ended up with some, uh, and you mm-hmm. could order and then actually pick up at the store. But I'm not, I don't know if that was today or yesterday. Um, but they put it out there like anybody looking for one, like now's the time to get it. Because I actually had a friend of mine was looking for one last week too and couldn't get one. So she actually, she ended up, uh, I think she got, um, an old school Nintendo I think, from somebody or something. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Cause yeah. she was wanting something for her kids. I'm like, they'll enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, on a, you mentioning Best Buy bring up a separate note here. So I had to go to the vitamin shop on Sunday. The vitamins? The vitamins, yeah. Because <laughs> as I'm getting older, I have to take those things. Mm-hmm. It's still surreal seeing all this stuff shut down. I know. Because yeah. you know the mall that's like two blocks from my house mm-hmm. is completely deserted. <laughs> the Best Buy that's connected to it, like all the stores and restaurants around it are completely deserted. Yeah. Part of me wanted to walk around, but I was scared that like a zombie would run after yeah. me. <laughs> Always keep and up the to... cardio. <laughs> yeah, rule number one. Rule number one. Yeah. And then watch uh, Woody Harrelson decapitate one with a banjo. Yeah, it was weird. I was sitting outside for a little while last night, and man, like usually I hear like you know activity around me and like traffic and stuff like that, and it was just eerily quiet last night. I was like, man, this is yeah. It's a little too quiet. It's been actually a good like stretch of time to sit outside. Yeah. Because I, I did that Saturday and Sunday watching <clears throat> WrestleMania. I just pulled it up on my laptop and sat out in my back little patio area. And just, I would watch like half the show. And then whenever it, it would get dark, just come inside and watch the rest of it. But Yeah, like the mosquitoes haven't been bad. It's kind of nice. No. I mean, it's been warm, but it hasn't been, like, hot. Yeah. Which has been nice. But, I mean, uh, kind of going back to the Switch, I mean, it's it's good for Nintendo. I mean, I know the circumstances kind of suck because of what's going on around the world, but... Yeah. Well, they weren't expecting this. This ain't ain't their fault, you know? No. No, no one, no one was expecting this. No. Um, let's go ahead and get into a little bit cheerier news and let's not talk about the, uh, the global pandemic. Let's get into this month in video game history, shall we? Yes. In April of 1979, Sega's dot-eating driving game head-on is released. It becomes a popular concept to clone, especially for home systems. Head on to I, re- I remember this game. Holy crap. I haven't seen like a, this game in 35 years. <laughs> it looks like a game I would have played on my computer in elementary school. Yeah. 
man, Oof. I remember this. This looks awful. <laughs> that is some bright blue, man. Yeah, it is. Makes me think of the blue screen of death. Yep. Let's see. In April of 1982, Activision releases Pitfall, which goes on to sell 4 million copies. One of my favorite games for the uh, the Atari 2600. Um, it was fun to play. It's still fun to play. It's just I, I never... I don't know if that game has an end. <laughs> it just kind of <laughs> just keeps going. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those classic games from that era. I, I played Pitfall maybe twice a long time ago, yeah. but it, it's it's one of those classic games. And from, I, they from tried the to they tried to make um, other versions of it for like the Nintendo and Super Nintendo, and they sucked. There was one for Super Nintendo. I think it was called like Pitfall: The Mayan Escape. Yeah, or they something had Super like that. Pitfall and Pitfall: The Mayan Escape. I think. And man, they the Super Pitfall was. I don't. I never played the Mayan Escape, but I remember Super Pitfall was awful. I did get a a copy of the Mayan Escape for really cheap. Mm-hmm. I haven't played it yet, but I figure it might be something I review uh, at some uh, point. It's time for you to review something crappy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is. In April of 1988, Namco releases Assault, which may be the first game to use hardware rotation of sprites in the background. That's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I, I love these top-down kind of games like this. I remember us talking about this last year. Yeah. It looks like a fun game. It does. It looks it looks like a, you know, like a Jackal type of game or like 1942, yeah. that type of thing. Like, top-down shooter. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. In April of 1990, uh, excuse me, Konami releases Snake's Revenge, a sequel to Metal Gear for the Nintendo Entertainment System in North America, developed without the involvement of Hideo Kojima. The only one that that didn't have him, right? I believe so. Because he's done every single Metal Gear game since. And he's, uh, I think he's, didn't, he, didn't we talk about him just retiring or something not too long ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That poor dude's been doing nothing but Metal Gear games for like 30, what, 32 years now? Something like that. Damn, that's a legacy. It is. Now, let's see. April 27th of 1992, Nintendo releases Kirby's Dream Land for the Game Boy, the first game in the Kirby series. I didn't know that was the first game in the series. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, if I remember right, it did not have Kirby's ability to um, copy enemies. Oh. You just you were just generic Kirby. I, I I played this game quite a bit for the Game Boy back in the day. Did I mean do this? I believe so. Yes, it was a while back. It was one of the first Game Boy games I remember reviewing. Yeah, but um, it, it's still a fun game. I mean, not having that ability sucks, but yeah. I mean, you didn't know any better at the time. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was still it was still fun. I put a lot of time into Kirby's Dreamland. Yeah. Uh, April first, nineteen ninety three. The seventh guest is released by Virgin Interactive for PC. It sold over two million copies and was widely regarded as one of those killer apps or one of three killer apps that accelerated the sales of CD-ROM drives. I know it definitely did for me. I remember when I bought my first computer in nineteen ninety three. Um, it was a Hewlett Packard 
I had a big whopping like four megabytes. <laughs> uh, no, it had like five hundred megabyte hard drive. I think I was like, wow, that was huge back then. Um, wouldn't even hold a song now. Um, but the, one of the first games I got was the Seventh Guest. Actually, I remember I bought the computer at uh, Home Depot, and it came. You, it was like you bought the computer and you got like two games for free and I got seventh guest and um, flashback those were mm-hmm. the two games I got and I've been wanting to get flashback for the switch I look at it every time I go to GameStop I'm like I want that they have the collector's edition flashback there I'm like, man really want that not to be confused with flash dance no no flash dance we don't there's no uh, no uh, <laughs> no sitting in the chair dropping water on me. That, that's not no, <laughs> you have to subscribe to our Patreon for yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, get us up to the fifty dollar level, and I'll drop water on myself. <laughs> <in the chair. laughs> but uh, you're up next. Ooh, uh, I am the rampage. Said this first get, uh, computer was a Tandy five hundred and did not have a hard drive. Uh, actually, oh, my first geez. my first computer was a Commodore sixty four and it didn't have a hard drive. I had to save everything to. Uh, the, an actual cassette tape, like they had the little cassette deck, and uh, we had the cassette deck, and we uh, eventually got um, my. Actually, my grandfather had the floppy drive for it, and because uh, mm-hmm. he had a Commodore sixty four too, so he would make games for me, and I would just borrow the floppy drive and play the games. So that was that was kind of sweet. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. Uh, on April thirtieth of nineteen ninety nine, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe is released for the Game Boy Color. One of the cooler remakes of a game. So essentially, it adds some cool features to Mario Brothers. I don't know if you, have you ever played Mario Brothers Deluxe. I don't know. I never did. So essentially, it has an overworld map, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. It's got a challenge mode. It's it's a remake of the original Mario Brothers game, but it's in color, um, obviously because it's Game Boy Color. But it adds a, a few cool features to it that makes it almost like a new experience. Yeah. It's something I need to pick up. I know it's on the, the 3DS virtual console that I need to get. I might actually review that um, at some point over like the next month or so because I haven't played a good handheld in a while. Yeah. So I might I might do that. But to close us out for this month in video game history, in April of 2000, Nintendo sells its 100 millionth Game Boy slash Game Boy Color handheld console. That's a lot of Game Boys. Yes. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine 100 million of anything. No wonder Nintendo can like fall on its face like every other console and still make money. Because they have like all the money. They have Disney money. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then they make the, the handhelds that do really well because the, the DS was a great system mm-hmm. when it came out just because it added like you're like we have two screens now <laughs> yep i want to get uh the 3d a uh, 3ds um just to it have no always, it's got some really cool games on it i always looked at them when i went into best buy and i always wanted to get one and i just never pulled the trigger on actually getting one the most mind-blowing thing to me and it might sound minuscule now but I always judge the power of a system by, like, the, their ports. Mm. So, like, Game Boy Advance had, like, Mario World, 
Link to the Past, yeah. the, the Mario All-Stars versions <laughs> of like Mario Brothers 2, Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. The DS had Mario 64 on it. <laughs> it was one of the launch games that I was like, I, I'm playing a handheld Nintendo 64 game. Yeah. This is insane. <laughs> I can't wait till that like uh, <clears throat> Mario Anniversary Edition till they till we see what's gonna be on it. I'm gonna get all of them. Yeah. Like honestly, like whatever it is, I'm gonna get all of them. <laughs> give them all to me, Nintendo. Just take my money, Nintendo. Just like just give us what we want. If only. Uh, but that ends the uh, this month in video game history. Derek's got some shout outs for our Patreon supporters before we go into the review for tonight. Yes, yeah, so as always, we'd like to shout out our awesome friends over at Patreon. We'd like to shout out Armez J, Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, and Carlos Longoria. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us. And if you want to contribute to our Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. If you get us back up to the $50 level, we'll give you guys an extra episode every month where we'll do fun commentary tracks like we've done for the Mario Brothers movie, and The Wizard. That will happen if you get us back up to that level, and you can head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro for more information. And tonight we're going to be talking about... Gotta love that 16-bit metal music. <laughs> this game actually had a really good soundtrack. So yeah, I listened to some of the music, and I, I I only played Killer Instinct, I think, on the PlayStation. I don't think I ever played it on the Super Nintendo. So this is a game that I feel like the review is a bit overdue because I've teased it for... I know I've talked about it for more than one episode, and I finally decided to do it. Mm-hmm. And it was also because, um, again, for uh, Patreon, I, I've gotten to where I'll post polls on our Patreon asking, what do you guys want me to review? Well, the poll I posted last month ended in a tie between Vector Man and the game that I'm reviewing tonight, which is Killer Instinct, which there's actually multiple Killer Instinct games. People don't talk about the sequels. They usually talk about the original one, but it's a series of fighting games originally created by Rare and published by Midway, Nintendo, and Microsoft Studios. The original Killer Instinct was released for arcades in 1994, and then it was released for the Super Nintendo and Game Boy in 1995. I actually never played the Game Boy version. I remember knowing of it, but I I never, I just never got around to it. I saw a YouTube video not too long ago that showed um, the different ports of Killer Instinct and they actually showed some screenshots of the Game Boy version and man, it looked awful. (laughs) Yeah, that was one reason why I didn't really play it. Yeah. But it also had a sequel, uh, Killer Instinct 2, which was released in arcades. It's also known as Killer Instinct Gold. And they did a new one back in um, or a new-ish version in uh, 2013, which I never played, but I heard very mixed things about it. Hmm. So, kind of a little bit of a backstory on my introduction to Killer Instinct, and I posted this clip on our Facebook page today. 
I talked about the uh, Donkey Kong VHS tape that I got in the mail <laughs> when I was a kid, yeah. which is atrociously corny. <laughs> like, it's really bad. I, I made the mistake of going back, because you can watch the full thing on YouTube. Oh, I watched like 30 seconds of it. <laughs> I was oh, like, it's <laughs> I wonder what happened to the guy who hosted it. I should have him on my podcast. You should. I wonder but, if he's on Twitter. <laughs> maybe. But um, it, it included a post-credit teaser of Killer Instinct, and it shows the guy um, walking into this top-secret room, and it's got this group of people playing this game, and the guy is like, oh, can I play? And they shove him out of the room. But you get that quick glimpse of the logo, Killer Instinct. And you hear the, you assume it's staff members that are yelling like, next year, next year, you can see it next year. And I didn't hear anything about it for a long time. At least it felt like a long time. And then the game came out and I've professed my love of Rare so many times on this show. This being a Rare game, so I'm like, of course I'm going to at least try it. I wonder why Killer Instinct hasn't had the longevity that Mortal Kombat has had. Well, and, and that's something I wanted to get into because a lot of the fighting games of that era, you think of Mortal Kombat, you think of Street Fighter, and I'll throw Killer Instinct there. They look similar and they feel similar, but Killer Instinct, I think, did some things, and especially going back and playing it, that to me made it stand out above, I won't say above, but it made it stand out from the other fighting games of that era. Because yeah. you, you got to remember, back during that time, fighting games were really popular, like in arcades, because you also had like the Tekken games. You had um, Marvel versus Capcom. And I'm sure I'm missing several others that were in arcades. And then they were brought over to like Super Nintendo and the Genesis. People loved those games. And I, I, I will admit, I was never a huge like fighting game fan but i did love mortal Kombat. yeah that was kind of like that exception i remember killer instinct was pretty huge in the arcades i mean they used to do yeah. uh uh arcade tournaments on saturdays at, at our local mall we used to have this uh um arcade called aladdin's castle and they would do killer instinct um tournaments every saturday and um it was always like the little Asian kids that would win every week, like little yeah. seven, eight-year-old kids just whipping ass. I'm like, you guys are how? How are you doing this? This isn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> Xplato Seven says, "Had the N64 Killer Instinct Gold version myself. I loved it, mm -hmm. and I am the Rampage. I think people see Ki as a copycat to Mortal Kombat." I love Killer Instinct on SNES, though. It was great for home console. I don't know. And it I mean, Killer Instinct had way more crazy characters. Like, you know, you had, like, the Raptor and, like, all that different kind of stuff in Killer Instinct. Mention the characters and you shall receive. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, essentially, like, the, the story of the game, because every fighting game does have a little bit of a story to it, it's about this uh, corporation called Ultratech. And essentially, they're wanting to test out these um, weapons that they've made that are essentially like fighting machines. Hence, the reason why there are battles. And you have some that some of the characters are evil and some are on the good side. 
You have uh, TJ Combo, who is a disgraced heavyweight champion of the world who seeks redemption. Glacius, a captured alien fighting for his life and a chance to escape. You also had... Um, well, no, Fulgor was, was evil. You had... Um, where's the list here? Let's see. There's, uh, there's Black Orchid, Chief Thunder... Yeah, Chief Thunder was the Native American who was wanting yeah. to find his uh, brother's disappearance. I'm trying to d- differentiate the good from the bad. The I guess you'd call like the primary character would be um, Jago, who was a monk who was essentially like the one trying to bring down um, Ultra Tech. Yeah, and Riptor that was the one I always played because he was a oh. genetically engineered Velociraptor human hybrid created as a prototype by Ultra Tech. A Killer Instinct movie from, like, the 80s or 90s would have been freaking amazing. Oh, yeah. But my my personal favorite was Saberwolf, who is a European patrician afflicted with a rare disease, lycanthropy. Although the werewolf has spent most of his life as a recluse, he enters the Killer Instinct tournament on the promises of being given a cure by Ultratech if he emerges victorious. Oh, Spinal. I forgot about Spinal. Yeah, the skeleton. Yeah, the skeleton. I forgot all about him. I used to play him a lot, too. Just because he think, looked cool. <laughs> yeah, I think Riptor and um, Spinal and Saberwolf are probably, like, the most iconic characters. Yeah. Like, just because they look so unique. I mean, and, with Spinal, you fight with a freaking skeleton. Yeah, I mean, just when I think of Killer Instinct, I think of Riptor. Because he, he seemed to be kind of like the face of Killer Instinct at the time. Like, all yeah. the marketing was based around Riptor. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you got to think that was also um, a little bit after Jurassic Park. But there's a lot of of characters in here. There's what, like thirty characters here, mm-hmm. and that's just that's back in the '90s. I mean, that was more characters than Smash Brothers had when it first came out. Yes, first Smash Brothers had what, 12? total twelve. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you had the original eight plus the hidden four. So tell me your uh, your theory on why you think Killer Instinct didn't last like Mortal Kombat did. My theory. I mean, well, if I remember right, Mortal Kombat came first. If I'm remembering that correctly. I always space yeah, out on when Mortal, Mortal Kombat was. Let me look that up real quick. I'm looking that up right now, too. I think it was 91 that the first Mortal Kombat came out. Let's see. Uh, 90, first release was October of 92. Yeah, October 8th, 92. Yeah, and this was in 94. Yeah. So I, I think the fact that Mortal Kombat came first, it was like the everything was going to get compared to that. I mean, to be fair, I, Street Fighter but, was first. <laughs> I mean, if we want to oh, get yeah, into logistics, right, yeah. I mean, the first Street Fighter was August 30th, 1987. And that one is still, I think Street Fighter is the gold standard of fighters i mean they're still having street fighter competitions to this day so well street fighter 2 is really popular as well yeah i always forget that street fighter 1 came out in the 80s i I always think of street fighter as like a 90s property i mean it really didn't hit its stride till the 90s especially until um when the super nintendo came out and they had the home version of street fighter 2 
that's when it really took off. Yeah. I think to answer your question, I think between I think Mortal Kombat became popular because of the characters and just the pure gore aspect of it, like with the fatalities. Mm -hmm. I think that was an appeal to teenagers of that time. And then you had the kids who were maybe my age, a little bit older that would play it just because it had like the adult stuff that, you know, they weren't supposed to have. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, and Killer Instinct, like, it has cool characters, but it doesn't really have any that stand out. Like, if you mention Mortal Kombat, you think of, you know, um, Sub-Zero, you think of Scorpion, you yeah. think of Shao Kahn, well, several also, other characters like that. It also had a story to it, too. A really, yeah. I mean, even though it was kind of simple to begin with, it was, you know, all these people are brought to, you know, what do they call it, Midworld or whatever, yeah. where they're forced to fight in this competition for the fate of humanity. Like, you can kind of understand that, and it's weird, and they made two movies about it in the 90s, and one of the best soundtracks of all time was... Mortal Kombat! Eh, 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 eh. Like, that was just awesome. I used to, dude, I used to go to karate class when I was a kid, <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, um, and I used to teach some classes too, and um, we used to put on the Mortal Kombat music and spar back in the nineties. Oh man, that was fun. I, I took karate. I took it as a kid, and then I took it like during like my late college years. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of fell off of it. I remember I would I did my first time sparring. I got the hell beat out of me. Yeah, I used to get the crap beat out of me too. I got a couple black eyes a few times. But yeah. <laughs> but back to Mortal Kombat and, and Killer Instinct. Like I think you're right. I think it's just the quality of characters. Like Mortal Kombat kind of had way more more cool characters than Killer Instinct did. And I think just Mortal Kombat had a better like easier to understand story. Yeah. Because I think the you look at the story uh for Killer Instinct and it's really kind of convoluted and hard to kind of understand. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that as well. And even going back to the characters, if you mention Killer Instinct, it takes somebody a second. You're like, oh yeah, that was the game with the Raptor. Yeah. But with you know, with Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, you can just rattle off characters. Yeah. Everyone had their guy, and that was like the game that everyone would go to the arcade to play, or they would play on their console. And I, I think with Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat already, you know, well, Street Fighter set the standard, then Mortal Kombat took it to another level. Everything else was just kind of secondary. And I'll throw like Tekken and the Capcom games yeah. in that same category as well. Even though I like Killer Instinct more than Tekken and, and Marvel vs. Capcom, but because Killer Instinct did do some some cool things that set itself apart from like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. So you had um you could do automatic combos mm. which was so much easier. I mean, uh, in a way I kind of like the challenge of doing the combos. Yeah. Cuz it's a little more satisfying that way. It did have finishing moves which I mean Mortal Kombat kind of introduced that in um as fatalities. Oh, I forgot about Primal Rage, too. I forgot about that game. Yeah, I on the Rampage mentioned that. Yeah, Primal yeah. Rage was kind of cool. Not as good, but cool. Uh, Axplato 7, I liked Orchid as well as as well or Saberwolf. And he said, I took karate lessons back in the late 80s, early 90s. My teacher was Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be, that'd be uh, awesome if that was true. <laughs> 
I'm waiting for him to write back. Wait, you you don't believe me? Well, this, this <laughs> well he true. did. He didn't misspell the last name too. So, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there were a lot. I mean, there's still a, a, a couple of other games too that uh, were in the fighting genre that people still play, like um, uh, Dead or Alive. Yep. People still get into that game, and um, but yeah, there it's even though it still has versions that come out, it's still nowhere near the popularity that like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter still have. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, I, th- I think Killer Instinct could have could have lasted because I could see that kind of game being like you know like oh there's a whole new Killer Instinct game coming out you know for the PS5. Yeah. I think now would be the time to bring it back. Yeah, I I would say so too, and I mean they tried it with the, um, yeah, it was released in November 2013 as the launch title for the Xbox One. But I I mean I don't have an Xbox One, so yeah, I never played it. <laughs> what I liked about Killer Instinct is it had, you could tell it was a rare game because the backgrounds reminded me of Donkey Kong Country. You know how it had that kind yeah. of like certain artistic visual where it was like kind of realistic but also kind of not yeah if that makes any sense Almost it like had a, that same type of feel like that 3d cartoon feel to it yes yeah yeah so i all in all i mean killer instinct is what it is i mean it, it's it's a fighting game similar to like your mortal combats and your street fighter and i i do think it's a little underrated like i do think it gets a little bit of a I won't say a bad rap, but no one talks about it. And I yeah. think it's for the reasons that we mentioned, because when you have to live up to like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, uh, games that people have so many great memories of, it's yeah. going to be tough to top that. Um, I'm and a Rampage did say, y'all need to watch John claude Van Johnson on Prime Video, and I have seen that, and it's awesome. What is that? Uh, it's that uh, It's a show that he did for Amazon Prime. Where it's sort of like that movie he did, the JCVD movie, but it's like it's based on like he, like him, but it's it's like a hyper realistic, like surreal version of him. It's really good. You need to watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> he also says that he wishes it was available for PlayStation. Microsoft owns the rights to it or something. That's why it's not on other current systems. Yeah. Because it's rare. Rare works, yeah, rare works exclusively with um, with Microsoft, which is a shame because Rare and Nintendo was just such a good marriage mm-hmm. back in the day. It's, it's a who's who, like Hall of Fame list of video games that yeah. those two work together on. Well, you think being rare as well, like they would do, like, like I don't know, develop more Killer Instinct stuff, like because they had so many good games back in the day. I just wish that Rare could become their own studio and not be, um, you know, owned by anybody. Because yeah, they they did work with Nintendo back in the day pretty exclusively. But if they could just be a, a completely third party developer, I think they could get a lot more stuff done. Yeah, and I think you'd have those like me who grew up during that time where if you read that Rare and Nintendo were back together, people would love it. Yeah, I think so. But kind of going back to to Killer Instinct, you know, going back through and playing it, it still holds up well, I think. I mean, it it plays just like your your typical fighting game. 
Um, I Am the Rampage says one of my favorite rare games is still Donkey Kong Country. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> I can't talk unless you say my name. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Diamond, you may speak. Either that or I owe you a soda. Yeah, you owe me a, you owe me a Coke. <clears throat> yeah, if that's how the rule goes. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if if you were a fan of this game, you'll be happy to know that it still holds up fairly well. I, I enjoyed going back and playing it. You know, I, I, I just, I, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, as I was thinking of what I was going to say for this review is what could have been, mm-hmm. I think is really the story for, for Killer Instinct. Because it, it, it had, I felt like, a, a decent little following whenever it came out, but it was more like a cult thing. Yeah. And and not, you know, huge uh, huge accolades. Oh, yeah, On the Rampage says, pinch, poke, you owe me a Coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll be all honest, all, I have not played Killer Instinct since probably 96, 97. It's been a long time since I've played a Killer Instinct game. Yeah. No, it's still it's still enjoyable. But I mean, if I'm going to play a, a fighting game, I'm going to play either Smash Brothers or Mortal Kombat. Yeah, same here. That's just but it's it's just it's just my opinion. But I I do like Killer Instinct. It's it's a good game. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't list the reception or anything, but cuz the like the Wikipedia lists just the mm-hmm. The series. Oh, let, let's see. Killer Instinct 1994 video game. There we go. Um, reception. It was a commercial hit and gained some critical acclaim. An early 1995 article in the fighting game industry and Electronic Gaming Monthly stated that for now, the undisputed king at the arcades is Killer Instinct. Uh, Next Generation reviewed the arcade version of the game and stated that it's not the breakthrough title we're all waiting for, and sooner a new genre has to explode. But for the moment, at least. Nintendo's plans for Ultra 64 seem to be progressing smoothly. Yeah. Entertainment Weekly gave the arcade version of the game an A+. It was a good arcade game. I mean, I'll give it that. I it, never I never played it in the arcade. I only played the Super Nintendo version. It was always one of those games that just had you had that one machine in the arcade that just had people just lined up around it. Like you, you know, you the one of the first ones was uh you know the the Ninja Turtles machine, where you would just yeah. have like just people just surrounding, and then you had the Simpsons, and then of course you had Killer Instinct. It would just you 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 had to wait in line to play it. We haven't reviewed the Simpsons arcade game on the show, have we? No, we haven't. I we I'm, should. I need to find a ROM of it. Yeah, that could be a great co-review game. Because I used that, to I would... love that game. Oh man, I remember the movie theater in Pace when it first opened. They had the Simpsons arcade, and we would get to the theater early just so we could play that game for a bit before our movie would mm-hmm. start. Man, I don't know why they never put that. They never ported that anywhere other than the arcade. I don't know. I really don't know. Explato Seven says I did like the arcade machine. I agree with Jason. A lot of people played it. Hard to get a turn. Put your quarters mm-hmm. down yep. with little. Yeah, the- Put your with smiley up. face emoji. <laughs> yeah, to put your quarters up and be like, I got next. Yeah. <clears throat> Those were the days. Yes, it was. I mean, I'd much rather, you know, play everything at home now. But <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. If I could go back in time just for a day to like, I don't know, 1992 and go back to the arcade just 
spend like a hundred bucks at the arcade. <clears throat> I think that'd be a good day. Oh, for sure. I would want to do it, but I would want to be a little bit older. Yeah. Because in '92, I was, I was six. I remember one time I went to the arcade. It was around. I was like maybe twelve, and I had been saving up my money to go to the arcade. And I remember my because it was a rare treat to go to the mall. And I had been mm-hmm. saving my money. It was like during the summer, and my mom was going to take me to the mall, and um, because her and my dad were going shopping for stuff, and I gathered up all my quarters and um, and my money, and <clears throat> I had it ready to go. We get to the mall, and I left my money at home. <laughs> oh, no. and this is back in the days with no cell phone, so I had no clue where my parents were. They dropped me off at the arcade and was like, all right, we'll pick you up in about two hours. So I basically just walked around the arcade for two hours begging for quarters because <laughs> oh, I had man. forgotten my money at home. I was like, I hate that memory. I felt so stupid. I was like, oh, it's going to be great. I got like 20 bucks. I got there and I had nothing. That's a rough day at the office. Yes, it was. <laughs> But I think all in all, as far as Killer Instinct goes, if I were to give it a score, scale 1 to 10, I would give it, I think, a 7. Yeah, it's not bad. You know, it, it, it's, still, it's still a decent game. And, and I, I enjoyed going back and playing it. But I also, like, I didn't have that attachment to it like I did with, you know, other games of that yeah. genre. So. That's understandable. Yeah, but it, it, I still enjoyed it. You know, if you like fighting games, I'd recommend giving it a... Man, it'd be fun to play it, you know, if we were, like, hanging out together and was like, oh, let's play some yeah. Killer Instinct on the Super Nintendo. It's not something I would just sit and play by myself. Well, that's the thing, too, is, like, I grew up an only child, so I didn't have really anybody to play video games with. Yeah. That's why I always flocked to, like, Zelda and Mario, mm-hmm. like, the single-player games, just because those were games that yeah. I could do. I mean, fighting games... Yeah, you can play them for a certain amount of time by yourself, but it gets old fairly quickly. Yeah. Well, same here. I mean, I had an older brother who was five years older than me and didn't want anything to do with me, so I had to play by myself all the time. Yeah. Oh, uh, Axeblade 07 uh, said he had the Simpsons Arcade on the PS3. Did they port that? I did not know that. Uh, let's see. They did a slightly updated... Uh, I'm the Rampage said they did a slightly updated version of Simpsons on Android iOS some years ago, but not available anymore. Hmm. I have to look that up. The more up. you know. Yeah, the more you know. But yeah, we're, we're, we're going up over an hour and ten minutes. We need to uh, start wrapping up here real quick. Yeah, I mean, overall, that's you know my thoughts on Killer Instinct. I know it's not too much of a review but i mean fighting games yeah. are are pretty cut and dry it's more of a nostalgia trip than anything when we do fighting games <laughs> yeah pretty much but well, another nostalgia trip is coming up next week i'm gonna be reviewing night trap the uh was it the 30th anniversary of night or no 25th anniversary of night trap i bought on the Switch over the weekend, thanks to Tyler Watson, who messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, they got Night Trap on sale for three bucks. So went on the Switch store, paid my three bucks, fired it up the other day and was like, well, that was three dollars down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting review next week. I'm going to make popcorn beforehand. You should. <laughs> I got some I normally beef. don't. 
I normally don't eat on the podcast, but I what I might do is whenever the review starts, I'll just turn my mic off and I'll just eat popcorn. Oh yeah, I got I got beef about this game, so we'll we'll get into it next week. I'm might excited be, for might it. be another rant episode, <clears throat> maybe. Um, I those are the best episodes that we do. <laughs> oh boy! But uh, anything else you want to talk about before we leave this evening? Yes. Yeah, so next weekend is the inaugural CyberCon. So oh, yeah. long story short, because MegaCon has been postponed due to COVID nineteen, this group is creating a full and free digital convention that will include various panels and the Derek diamond experience will be a part of that. And really you'll be cool. joining me as well. Yes. We're going to be discussing, uh, the future of the film industry post COVID-19, mm-hmm. which I think is a very interesting position. Cause I, I've got some opinions on that. And I wonder if you and I are going to agree on it, but, I, I think I don't think things are going to be quite the same when this whole thing. I'll just say that. Yeah, uh, things are going to be a lot different after all this. But if anyone wants to watch it, you can follow CyberCon on Facebook because all the panels are going to be streamed through Facebook, and the Derek Diamond Experience is going to air Saturday, April eighteenth at five p.m. Central Time, and we'll be going for about an hour. So, um. I know for sure it's going to be me and you. We might have one or two other people on as well. But stay tuned to the Derek Diamond Experience Facebook page for more info on that, which you can check out uh, my podcast, Derek Diamond Experience. Um, Every Thursday, new episodes come out on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. And you can follow me on all forms of social media at D Diamond Podcast. And you can check out the Daily Diamond Morning show, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. And like I said, <clears throat> if you want to see me tackle DuckTales, it's been a while since I've played that. I think I reviewed it a couple of years ago, and that was the last time I played it. I think it was one of the first games I've reviewed for this show. It had to have been within the first 10. Stand by, I'll, I'll pull it up yeah, on my I phone. Yeah, I think it was, it was about four years ago since I've played it, so it's been a while. We're we're going to be coming up on the four year anniversary of the show really yeah soon. really soon it was it was July of 2016 2016 so almost four years since I've played that game so if you want to watch me play it I'm going to play it this weekend on Twitch and uh, just follow my Twitter at uh, jfunktastic and um, I'll be tweeting out when I'm ready to go live and you can watch me I'm not doing another three hour a uh, gigantic stream because my thumbs can't take it. So I'm going to do about a good solid hour and then uh, we'll, I'll call it a, a stream wherever I'm at. I'll just save it wherever I'm at and come back to it later. So you reviewed DuckTales. It was episode 27, February 27th, 2017. 2017. So three years ago. So it's it's been a while. Three years. Oh, and thank you to Axblade07 for the shout-out. He said, great topic. I just listened to your Tiger King podcast. I yes. <laughs> we could we could go for 10 hours on Tiger King. Well, you know a new episode's supposed to be coming out, oh, allegedly. I, <laughs> I might have to do a follow-up. Yeah, I'll, I'd love like, to do that my, with you. <laughs> whatever, whatever show like I have planned for that week, if there's a new episode that comes out, I will cancel that topic, and it will be Tiger King. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. But let's go ahead and get out of here. What do you say? Yep, let's do it. 
If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're over there. You can throw us as little as a dollar a month. And keep us keep the roof over our head here, and keep the lights on at the Nerd Cave Retro uh, Cave uh, Quarantine Cave that we're in, and uh, get us back to that fifty dollar level, and we'll start doing extra episodes for you guys every month. And as usual, if you can't do that, can't throw us a buck a month, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. I have spoken. Okay.